Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Intelligent Talk Radio. Intelligent Talk Radio. This is The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at The Roy Green Show, at The Roy Green Show. And uh, send me some tweets, and I'll read some on the air as we go through the uh, afternoon and morning, wherever you happen to be in Canada. And emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com, Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. We're on Facebook, of course, as well, and there's the blog. Go to your favorite chorus radio station where you're listening to this program, and you can uh, check out the blog and add some comments of your own. So I uh, received an email a couple of days ago from uh, Karen Engel from the Niagara Chronic Pain Club, and that's in Ontario. And uh, Karen emailed that when my interview with the federal health minister was being played, and I'm telling you this for a reason, there was cheering among the group. And that tells you something doesn't tell you that they particularly like the sound of my voice or the questions I was asking. Maybe they like the questions. But they were pleased, I surmise, that somebody was holding the feet of the people who are trying to take away their medications and consign them to horrid chronic pain were being questioned. Karen Angle joins us and uh, the group leader from uh, the Niagara Chronic Pain Club, Amy Romeo, with us as well. Hi, Karen. Good afternoon, Roy. And uh, hello, Amy. Hi, Roy. Great to speak with you both. And were you surprised that anyone would actually question what the government was doing and and hold their feet to the fire? Because what I hear again and again is you feel pain, people with chronic pain generally feel, if not not represented, certainly feel underrepresented. Definitely underrepresented. Uh, it was just amazing to be able to hear that. Amy sent, uh, Amy sent out a link that to all the uh, members of our group so that we could actually hear this, and uh, I brought it into the next meeting, and it was, it was just amazing. It was great. Amy can tell you where she got the link from. Sure. Go ahead, Amy. <laughs> Uh, actually, Barry Ulmer, our executive director at the Chronic Pain Association of Canada, uh, and you've spoken to him already. Um, I just wanted to say that I'm not surprised that anyone was questioning. Uh, I was pleased, I think, that you were uh, holding her to or trying to hold her to getting real answers. Um, that's, I think, where a lot of people give up. They, they make the attempt, get an empty response, and then back away. Uh, we need more than that. Well, it's the only way to do an interview. It really is. If you don't, if you don't get an answer, just keep pushing for it. But what I found was when the minister said that I asked questions that I knew she didn't particularly like, 
and she said there were fantastic questions. You know, it kind of gives you a headache. But speaking of, let's define what chronic pain is because, you know, we've talked to people who live with distressing chronic pain that takes them to the edge of suicide and perhaps over the edge. Maybe you know people who've committed suicide because of chronic pain. I know my next guest knows people who have, and we'll talk to her about that. But uh, when, when, you t- when you say the word chronic pain in the context of someone who needs strong medication to deal with it, opioid medication, to have a quality of life, we're not talking about your run-of-the-mill headache that happens to hang around for a lot longer. We're not talking about a sprained ankle pain. We're not even talking about you know, a, a, a nasty bruise pain. Would you each define, please, what severe chronic pain means to you both? Like, what are you living with? I'll start with you, Karen. What is your chronic pain like to live with if untreated? Oh, if untreated? Oh, <laughs> if untreated, um, being able to function at all is, is unheard of. Being able to think. Uh, sleep is almost impossible. Uh, but getting up. To be but getting out of bed is impossible. It's uh, my husband um, on days when I kind of refuse to take medication. I, <laughs> in the days when I wouldn't take medication, uh, now I do. Uh, he would help me move from the sofa to a chair to the bed, and that would be my day. And I would refuse to stay in one spot for more than an hour. He would help me go to a different area. And you um, can't stop moving because if the pain is so bad that you have to move your leg, you have to move your arm, you have to, because you just can't stay in one spot because it just hurts too much. Sorry, I'm just trying to remember when it's so painful. Yeah. Uh, Amy, what about you? Similar. Um, it comes down to an issue of function, ability, and um, quality of life. Uh, so I have no help. I live alone. Uh, if I'm not taking medication, I'm bedridden. And the pain is all-consuming. I can't think about anything else. I can't do anything else. It means I can't prepare my own meals. It means I can't uh, answer an email, talk to a friend on the phone. There's there's nothing other than the pain. I, I literally have to lay and vegetate and pray that somehow it's going to ease off at some point. And, of course, without medication, it never does in my case. Did it come on suddenly at some point in your life, or was it, was it something that accompanied you through childhood? I, I've been trying for many years in therapy to think about when my earliest memory of the starting is, and honestly, I have no clear recollection of life without pain. It just started so early on in my life. But it was gradual in its intensity and all-consumingness. It, it wasn't this bad when I was younger. It wasn't until about 2004 or five um, when it got to the point where I couldn't carry on with work. Uh, and I had to suddenly take a hard look at what was happening and change my life. So it's got, is it getting worse without the medication, say, even over the last couple of years? Would your projection be, would your feeling be that over the next five years, if you didn't have the medication you require, the pain levels would be more severe than they are today? 
Well, that's my best guess based on what I've experienced so far. Um, the difficulty for me is that my uh, illnesses are not well understood at this point. Um, up until a few years ago, there were many doctors who didn't even believe that fibromyalgia was a real condition. Right. Uh, so they, they don't understand a whole lot about what causes it or how it behaves. Uh, so really, and, and I've found um, every person I've ever met who has fibromyalgia or a fibromyalgia diagnosis, um, every single person has a at least a slightly different experience of it than I do. So the reason, symptoms. the reason I ask the question is, mm. I'm talking about quality of life. And if your quality of life has deteriorated over a period of years, maybe a period of a couple of decades, uh, without, the, without the medication that's required to kick the pain back, to knock it down so you can function, because a lot of the people I've spoken with have told me, look, it's not like I'm without pain. I still have serious pain, but at least I can function. I've learned how to live with a serious pain level. I just can't live with the excruciating pain. So we're looking at quality of life. And you have to be able to look down the road and have some expectation that there'll be some enjoyment of life because we're all entitled to that. And Karen, what about how did this manifest? How did the uh, the, the chronic pain manifest itself with you? Um, it was the third surgery for um, having four ribs removed um, when I was in the service. And you're a veteran, military veteran. Yes. Thank you for your service. Thank you. And. Um, what happened was uh, when they took two ribs out of the left side, uh, they didn't take all the ribs out, and there was a bunch of calcifications, but it got all in the nerves, so down my neck and in, in the thoracic cavity there. So after seven and a half hours surgery, um, there was some damage done, and so I had complex regional pain syndrome from that. So uh, it wasn't caught right away, so it became chronic. Okay, I understand that's not the easiest thing to diagnose. No, no. It was, uh, I had to get actually a second diagnosis also yeah. because uh, there was actually three doctors involved. And uh, they sent me to a pain clinic for that, which was uh, quite interesting. That's where I learned how to meditate, which is very good. Um, the service was very good about that, about helping with uh, trying all the different things. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's what you have to do, right? I mean, you have to try, 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 try. That's right. And when you find something that works and something that provides the relief that you require to be able to get, get along with your life and enjoy some aspect of your life, yes. then you're not, you shouldn't have this removed from you. Are your doctors, um, I don't want to use the word threatening, but are your, are your doctors, do you, feel, do you have the sense that your doctors are nervous about, uh, uneasy, more than they should be? about prescribing opioids? Do you have a sense that they're getting pressured? Uh, my, my doctor, uh, we, we have a very good relationship, and we've tried all sorts of different things. And, um, but... I'm sorry, it's not fair for me to ask that question because I've already identified you, so I don't want to create a problem with you and your dogs. Yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's not even go there. Um, I hate to ask this question, but let me take a break, and then I, I, will, I, will, I will come to the question that I really dislike asking, but it's an important one, and uh, everybody talks about it when it comes to chronic pain. By the way, the, uh, you know the federal government is listening. Yeah. The, uh, the, uh, the um, minister's office is listening to this uh, interview. 
because they listen to everything that we do, especially on on chronic pain now. And I told you it wasn't me who requested the interview with the minister. It was the minister who requested the interview with me. And then they backed off a little bit, and then they delivered, and now I have a feeling they're sorry they did. So we'll come back uh, more with Karen and with Amy from the uh, Niagara Chronic Pain Club on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. If you're looking for real-life radio, you've come to the right place. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. With me are uh, Karen and Amy. They are with the um, Niagara Chronic Pain Club in Ontario and uh, heard the interview with the Federal Minister of Health, Dr. Jane Philpott. How many members, uh, Karen, how many members of, uh, do you have at the, uh, at the pain club? Oh, Amy, you can answer that one. <laughs> uh, it fluctuates. I think at the moment we have about 20 or 25. Okay, and... Usually about 10 to 14 show up at a time. Okay, is there a, is there a specific story, without naming the person, which stands out most? You know, something that, that we would all... Um, we all need to hear. A specific story. Yeah, you know, somebody's case, somebody, one of your members. Okay, I don't feel comfortable with that. Okay, fair enough. But I don't want you to name anybody. Um, all right, we won't we won't go there then. One of the, the what I was going to get at is this: what I hear again and again from people who are dealing with chronic pain, and we just heard Dr. Lynn Webster, the past president of the American Academy of Pain Medicine, say that. Uh, Suicide is a significant issue already. Yes. Is that something that is discussed? Is it, is it a word that, that you're all too familiar with as, as far as group discussions are concerned? Hmm. Amy, I don't think we've really discussed that. No. It, the way it comes out is if someone's sharing a personal story, they might mention it as part of their story. Okay. It's usually just a brief note. Nobody really goes into focus on that. Okay. And, and honestly, I try not to focus our group on things like that. We try to look more at problem solving and coping strategies and yeah. trying to uh, look at. No, no, I wasn't. I wasn't suggesting. I wasn't suggesting there was any sort of um, any sort of advice on. On it's suicide. a dark discussion, though, right? And it, I'm not really sure it helps other than to um, encourage people to go to therapy and to do things that might help them with that issue. I don't mm-hmm. think there's a lot of value in focusing on uh, the darkness of that conversation. It's, but yeah, but it's also not, it's not doing, it's not a good thing to just stay away from it. And I'll tell you why, because there's a, there's a passive audience. Um, and passive, by that I mean, People who may be living with significant chronic pain and haven't or don't say anything to anybody, mm-hmm. and and try to just bear it and and feel lost as we've heard. So we're also talking to them, and mm-hmm. and I don't like talking about the suicide aspect of it, but it's brought up constantly, and this is a this is all sort of educational for for a lot of people. This whole mm-hmm. issue of chronic pain discussion is educational. What do you talk about when you sit down as a group? What are some of the issues that you get at? One of the ways, actually, that I try to deal with that without actually directly dealing with it 
is that I'm lately I've really tried to encourage social interaction. Mm-hmm. There's a, a common experience among chronic pain sufferers who suddenly realize they've lost a lot of the friends they used to have. They don't go out as much as they used to. And so a lot of that social part of their life just sort of dries up and disappears. Uh, so I'm, I'm really trying to get people engaged again. Um, we try to plan little outings, whether it be picnics or meeting for lunch somewhere. Um, I've tried to get people involved on social media, uh, little group discussions. So little by little, I'm trying to encourage people to redevelop social interaction and gain friends who understand what it's like to live that kind of life. Yeah, that, that, that's ways. so important. That is that is so important because that's a that's a that's a positive um, injection into your life. I mean, I'm, all these medical terms come to my my, my head now, but but it is a posi- such a positive infusion in in your life if if you remain socially active. It's again reading and talking to people. One this was was a doctor who said on this program about it. They said it's um, first of all it's the pain, and then the second thing is uh, lack of social interaction. Yeah. Absolutely. Isolation is, is very hard. Yeah. Because, like, we, we spoke when, when we talked before, is the isolation from family and, and from friends. Right. Because, um, and, and the opioids, the medications is one of them, too, because they don't have the agreement with, like, they agree with the media the way it is right now. Mm-hmm. Who breaks off the relationship? Is it the patient? Is it the, uh, is it the family and the friends? Is it, or is it, do they just drift apart? A lot of times it's a drift that I see is that, oh, they don't, they visit at first, but then it's kind of like they don't come as often. Or um, I told you that, that I had a good relationship with one member of my family, but I mentioned it just since I spoke to you. I mentioned that I was going to be talking to you on the, on the program, and that's relationship was more fragile than I thought because the person said, oh, you're going to talk about drugs? Really? Yes. And so I was very uh, taken aback by that. Now, we're talking about pain or we're talking about human beings, but, but there, are, there are misconceptions and they have to be kicked down. And, I've, and, and you hear again and again, there's a stigma that goes along with taking medication for chronic pain, and that should be the last thing because unless you've, what's that old cliche, unless you've walked a mile in the person's shoes... Yes. You don't know what it's like. Mm-hmm. Karen, Amy, thank you so much for joining us. You do, you're doing terrific things for the people uh, in your group. I'm sure it's important and so important that people get together when there's, when there's a, something that's destroying your life or tearing your life apart, then to have friends and have people who have a similar experience and you can meet and talk. It's so important. Thank you, and uh, we'll stay in touch with you. Thank you. Thanks, Roy. All the very best. We'll come back on the Roy Green Show in just a minute.